Welcome to the VoiceOver Insider free podcast, a service, of course, of Julie Williams' free VoiceOver Insider. For industry news, tips, and information, be sure to subscribe at www.voiceoverinsider.com. I'm Paul O'Connor, her biggest fan, here to introduce our host, Julie Williams. What's coming up on the podcast today? We're talking to Larry Hudson, Paul, and Los Angeles talent and audio expert who is also an expert in Audacity. In fact, he teaches the most incredible class in Audacity. I can, I can tell you that from experience. And so we're going to be talking to him, uh, Larry Hudson of VO Heaven, about tips and tricks for audio editing and particularly for audio editing in the powerful free program, Audacity. Larry, welcome to the program. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to hear the different tips you have, because when I say I learned from firsthand experience, it's because I put someone through the program who went from knowing like nothing about audio editing to knowing more than I do in three weeks. That's like halfway through your program. And I was just blown away. So I, I'm just so impressed with your with your class. Well, she was a really good student. <laughs> You're a star and student, right? Star student. And it really just takes some some you know commitment and practice over and over. And that's what she did. She took every tip I gave her. And one of the tips when I teach my five-week course is to not do the homework, the coursework each week once, but do it two or three times. And that's how you get it, you know, in your bones. And that's what she did. And that's why she's done so well for herself. And she has, but you got to say, and I know this, you know, you're, you're humble about it, but, you know, she did the work she needed to do. I credit her for that. I'm so impressed with her for that. But someone taught her the stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I just have a, a very linear mind about the way things work, and I try to set it up so that it's a build. It, it compounds the information so that people can take it a little bite at a time and then a bigger bite and a bigger bite, because that's the only way to learn this. It's sort of the joke I always say is it's like a really big elephant, and you got to eat it one bite at a time. And I just really think about the the process, even that I go, I went through to learn this and to be able to add it in a very linear way so that it's not, it doesn't get too confusing. A lot of the teachers out there that I know that teach this, you know, teach Audacity, which I also teach uh, Adobe Audition now. I've been doing five-week courses on that. What happens is they're jumping around. And I guess the biggest thing too is, is that people are so focused on how do I do this in the program, they're missing the context of what it means to do a great edit. And that's really the basis from where I teach because if people understand what it is that they need to do, it almost doesn't matter what program they're in. Right. And certainly the workflow is different from say audacity to adobe audition which trust me it is cuz i teach it completely different because the workflow is different but the pieces the things that you know to do and look for and listen for are the same in in no matter where you're editing whether it be pro tools or you know reaper audacity adobe audition twisted wave it's all the same stuff you know, one of the things that I've known in the, uh, in the industry that, that I've seen with voiceover coaches as well is you might have the most incredible talent or the most incredible audio editor, you know, or audio expert, but that's their gift. And if their gift isn't teaching as well, 
it's kind of hard to pass it along. And I've seen from experience that your gift is teaching. And I just want to tell you how much I appreciate oh, thank that. You, you know, I, it's really funny because I'm, you know, I'm quote, not a teacher. I mean, I never was a teacher in the previous life in regular public schools or whatever, or at the college level, whatever. I just, um, I just have a real commitment for to, to give people the information that I have. I've been this way kind of my whole life. I love sharing great things with people. And, um, you know, and I'm lucky enough that one of my gifts is that I have the ability to sort of put things in an order in which people seem to assimilate the information, which is a good thing. For a voiceover talent, what are some of the key things that we need to know when we're recording and, and editing to get uh, a product ready for a client? Okay, so I actually broke this up into eight different concepts. I'm going to read all eight concepts, and then I'll quickly go back and explain each one. Okay. First of all, the number one thing is what our job is, is to remove the imperfections. The second thing is to really train your ears. Number three is understanding the effect that noise floor has on your recordings, dealing with breaths, timing, Number six is softening the entrance and exit words and phrases. And number seven is sweetening your file. In other words, you know, like with an effects chain, it's an effects rack, stack, whatever you want to call it, or even if it's just normalizing. And then having a consistent process. So you're doing the same things over and over on every single recording so that you really have some consistency. Mm -hmm. So... So let's go back to number one, remove the imperfections. Why? Well, the reason we want to remove the imperfections is because truly they're distractions from the message itself. You know, there's a lot of um, uh, controversy over, well, do I remove the breath or not remove the breath? And for me, it's all about if it distracts from the message, then it's something that needs to be removed. So, you know, in most cases, when a voiceover is used with a video, or even pictures, it's really a voice under. So what happens is you don't wanna be distracting to those pictures, those photos, those that video is really what stands most present, most in the front of people's consciousness and your voice is in essence, the voice under, not a voice over. Number two, training your ears. You've gotta train your ears to hear those imperfections. And I've been doing this for seven years now and you know, what I hear now is far more than I heard even two years ago. You know, it's it's a building process. You've got to keep listening. And it's extra hard because we're listening to our own voice. And you know how that is. We kind of love hearing our own voice. But we get stuck in other things. We're listening to performance. And as an editor, you really have to kind of remove yourself from doing, um, from listening to yourself as you and just listen to it as a, as a voice. That's one of the reasons on my course, there's five sessions and in weeks two and three, they're, they're editing my voice, not their own voice. Mm. And that's one of the reasons. And then the other thing is, and this is the basis that everything sits on is number three, which is understanding the effect that noise floor has on your recordings and editing. If you don't know what noise floor is, noise floor is the sound that is recorded when your mic is open in recording and there's absolutely, you're not speaking a word. That's just the sound in your room. And the bottom line is if you deal with your noise floor and get it below a negative 59 decibel level, which is inaudible, by the way, to the human ear, it's going to allow you to do a much faster, cleaner editing. And that's one of the big things that I teach right up front. Number four is dealing with breaths. 
So the only format that I personally believe that it's appropriate to leave breaths in or even possibly just lower them a little bit is when you're doing a character, whether it be in animation, video games, or an audio book, because it's part of the performance. For me, if it's not part of the performance, I say remove them. Would you say in an audiobook as a narrator, it's still part of the performance to leave the breaths in? To me, it's not. I've gotten audiobooks that I, you know, have started to listen to, and I literally could not listen to them because it's like, you know, it's like I just, it's distracting. I want to just hear the information. If it's part of the character, I'm good with it. That's, again, you know, it's a personal preference. And, you know, the, the thing I always tell people is you listen to TV and radio. You've never heard a commercial that has breaths. I've heard one in seven years, and that particular company no longer does that because I've heard their commercials since then. But certainly when you get into, you know, that audiobook in, in narration, especially e-learning, you know, one of the things is you have to be able to develop the skill so that it sounds smooth and nice and that your timing is good even when you're removing the breasts. And by the way, when you deal with your noise floor, then you have the ability to silence the breath rather than removing it or pasting a room tone that people do. It's so time consuming, especially in an audiobook where you might have three to eight hours of finished audio. That's a lot of editing. You know, and this just made, when you deal with noise floor, it's the foundation. It's the foundation of the house that everything sits on. If it's sturdy and clean, man, everything goes up really fast. Okay. So what I think I hear you saying is if, if your noise floor is below 59 dB, you can actually silence in between rather than say, uh, adding uh, room ambiance to that place. Exactly. And what happens is there's ways to remove it if it's higher than that. Let's say your noise floor is negative 48 dB. There's a way to, in Audacity to reduce that noise to below negative 59 so you don't see any of it. And then what you avoid, sort of the freshman mistake, having what we call drop-off, where you can hear that it goes to silence. It would be sort of like standing in your kitchen and you're having a conversation and all of a sudden the refrigerator gets turned off and all of a sudden you go, man, it's really quiet in here. You didn't notice that it was on when you were originally talking. And all of a sudden when it goes off, then you notice it. Well, that's what happens. If you have a high noise floor and then you go to silence a breath and now between a word or a phrase, you have a gap, you know, this little silence piece, all of a sudden you're going to notice that. But if it's below negative 59, you don't hear it at all. The next thing that I had on my list here is timing. And this is the hardest thing that you really can't teach people. It's about setting the timing, you know, removing or adding time between words and phrases. And again, this is a skill that's developed by strengthening your listening skills, your ears, so that you just get the timing so it's conversational. And, you know, the only way to do this is practice. Well, the truth is everything, everything I'm listing here, the only way to really get it is practice. Yeah. Timing's probably one of the tougher ones. But people, you know, there's a few, there's a few tricks, and I teach them in my, in my course. Um, like, for instance, I'll give you one. You know, like say you have a list of three things. You know, I want to go to the store, Home Depot, and, and to Trader Joe's. Typically, the space between Home Depot, the store, and then when, it, when I say and Trader Joe's, the and is usually closer than the other ones, the separation. So that's just a timing thing, you know. Do you so, think voiceover people have a, a better sense of timing than new editors that haven't done voiceovers? 
You know, I think it's a matter of the hardest thing for people that are starting in voiceover when they're starting to edit is because they are, in fact, listening to their own voice. It's really hard to separate yourself. It takes a while to do that. You know, six months, a year of a lot of lot of editing. And the more you have to edit and the faster you got to get it out, the more you stop listening to yourself as the performer and start listening to yourself as the editor. That's a big thing. All right, number six. This is a big one. This is called the finish. This is when you're starting. Now you've kind of got the basics down, and now you're starting to really polish that apple. And number six is softening the entrance and exit to words and phrases. So, in other words, um, there might be the word even and or today. It's like it's a sharp entrance. And when you soften that entrance so that it kind of flows into the word, it really polishes what it is that you're doing. And what I use is I either use what's called a smooth fade in or a cross fade. And, and again, what those two things do is they're sort of half of the intensity of a regular studio fade in or out. Um, you know, typically, if you look in pretty much every program has as a default a fade in and a fade out. And that's typically used for music, you know, like to fade in, fade, have the music fade up into the music. But what a smooth fade in or a crossfade does is it's, it's probably about half the intensity. And that makes it so it's not abrupt and it's just very smooth. That really begins to put the, the shine on the apple. And pretty much once you've done all of what I just said, one through six, now you've got a complete edit that's really awesome. You love everything about it. And now what it's time to do is what I call sweetening your file. We're talking to Larry Hudson of VO Heaven, and we're going to be right back with more valuable tips, tips number seven and eight. All right. We'll be right back after this short message. Julie Williams has been a voiceover coach for decades and has helped thousands of talents to launch a VO career, refine their VO performance skills, develop winning demos and marketing plans, and market themselves in voiceover. She's taught all levels from beginners to voiceover coaches. But don't take our word for it. Let's hear what some of Julie's actual students have to say. Here's Fred Olson. Long ago. In a galaxy far, far away, back when radio was still fun in Houston, Julie Williams came to me to help her put together her very first demo. And now, decades later, who do I go to for the tips and tricks of the trade and the direction and coaching I need? I go to Julie. After just one lesson with Julie Williams, I learned so much. One lesson. Old dog, meet new tricks. She's not just a great voice talent. She's a great director. And after all, we really need that, that voice in the back of our head that says, no, this is better this way. This is a winning way. This is what I've learned. That's what she gives you. So go to Julie, listen to her, do what she says, so you too can perform to the best of your God-given ability. Julie isn't just a teacher who teaches during your time together. She's a coach who guides you through every step of your career according to your specific needs. You can find out more about Julie Williams Coaching at juliewilliamscoaches.com or by emailing her directly at julie at juliewilliamscoaches.com. And now a few final words from Julie and her guest. Welcome back. We're talking with Larry Hudson of VO Heaven. And Larry, what are tips number seven and eight to sweeten our audio once we've had the major editing done? What I use is 
typically I, I, well, I do normalize everything and typically I'm going to normalize it to negative three dB. Again, this is based on being able to have your raw recording before you do any of these, run any of these effects, including normalizing. Um, I, my recommended volume level of your raw recording, so the gain on your microphone, it needs to average somewhere between negative 12 dB and negative 6 dB. So then if you do a negative 3 dB normalization, typically it'll bump it up a little bit, but again, it will not allow it to go above negative 3 dB in volume. So for instance, in one of the pay to plays, uh, Voice123, they actually, it is a request that you must normalize to negative 3 dB because they don't want somebody coming in where it's just distorting out and really loud. And that's what normalizing does. Again, if you're Average raw recording is between negative 12 dB and negative 6 dB. So what I use is an effects chain. And in my effects chain, the one that I teach for the class is, is really a simple one. It just does a normalize, it compresses, and it normalizes. And it's a very light compression. So you know how they always say they want it raw and they don't want any effects? Well, what I give people, I used for five years, and they were settings that I had originally got from George Whittem, um, that were very light and just kind of tightened it up a little bit. And that it's not overly compressed. And no one ever knew that I actually compressed it at all because it was so light. My normal, every day I have some EQ and I have some, com I have compressor and some other things. But again, I didn't create those myself. I paid George Whittem money to get a custom stack for my microphone in my booth with my voice. And I strongly recommend that. You know, if you're gonna do an effects chain, you know, trying to figure out how to do it on your own, we're not engineers, we're just voiceover talent. So I say go to the professionals that have those ears. You know, these guys, they listen to a thing and they go, yeah, you got a really low, uh, you know, 40 hertz hum and all this, I don't even know what half of that stuff is. So that's my recommendation with regard to sweetening your file. Again, at the very least, you wanna normalize. So do you recommend people normalize before or after they edit their file? You know, it doesn't really matter. You could do it. You can, you could normalize five times and it won't matter. Once it's been normalized, everything goes to a particular place. And if you changed something or lowered the volume of something and then you re-normalized, it's just going to even it all out again. It's not going to over affect the quality of your voice like it would if you were doing compression three times. You can't do that. You can only compress things once if you're going to do it, because if you do it twice, it doubles what the effect is. Uh -huh. Well, um, I've noticed that normalization comes lower um, when I do something like, because when I'm editing, I mean, when I'm voicing for an editor, if I make a mistake, I kind of go, you know, once for first mistake, twice right. for second, you know. Yeah. When I go to normalize before I send to the editor, if I've done that, it affects the normalization because I have that spike there, which is for their visual editing. It um, is a very good thing to make note of. Yes, I do the same thing. I go, that's my sound. I make a, or a, and I can see it so I know how to edit. You know, I know exactly. that this is all bad. love me for it. Yeah, because it makes it faster for them. So the th I would agree. In that case, I would wait until you've done all of your editing and then so that it's all clean and then you can run normalization. 
So those spikes really do affect the normal. Oh, absolutely. Because they're the loudest thing and they're going to bring that down and then everything is relatively going to be brought down. So everything is somewhat even. So you're right. You're absolutely, it's a great point to bring up. Thank you. And so what is uh, point number eight? Oh, the big one. Consistent process. You've got to come up with a system. And I give that system to the people on my, that do my course. And I say, this is what I do on the first pass. This is what I do on the second pass. And this is what I do on the third pass. And the reason why I do three passes is because our brains are only able to kind of hear one, maybe two things at once. You can't be listening for everything at once because you, you'll miss stuff. So what I do, and it's also easier from an editing flow standpoint, in other words, repeating certain effects, I can do it over and over again on a particular pass, like say removing plosives. The way I remove a plosive is I highlight the little jagged edge at the very beginning, and I type in amplify and I do negative four, And then now that I've got that set in the computer, all I have to do is hit my keystroke for repeat last effect. And I can do it over and over and over again. So I have a very strict way that I, my sort of my system, my consistent system of, and what it does is it truly in the long run, even though you're going back through something three times, you're saving time because you're not missing anything. Are are you sure it's, I mean, like if there's a really long form, like an audio book, a 13 hour audio book, and you're going through like, and we're talking 13 finished hours. It saves you time to do the three passes on that? Yeah, and the reason you would is you would take sections of it, like maybe 10, you know, five to 10 minute sections and just do, do what you've got to do on those so that by the time you get to the end, then you run your effects on everything and you're done. Because guaranteed, if you tried to get everything on the first pass all the way through, you're going to miss so much. And here's the thing. The computer, when you're using Audacity, for instance, it remembers the last effect you did. So if you did a crossfade and now you come to a plosive and need to go back up to the editor, go back up to effect, click on amplify, put in negative four, remove it and go to the next one and you do another, another, let's say lowering or de-amplifying, but then the next one is back to doing a crossfade. Well, then now you got to change it again and you keep changing back and forth and that wastes a lot of time. Is that the case with audition as well? Audition is a little bit different the way that it remembers things and the way that you, the way you do a crossfade and the way you do a, a silence and the way you would do a deamplify. They're all separate, so I can do them all at once. But I do know that my ears cannot be listening for all three of those different things on the same pass. So that's why I break it up. So on my first pass, say, you know, when I'm doing it, I'm listening for, I silence the breath. I'm kind of getting the timing to about 90, 85, 90% of the way I want it. But plosives, I wait. I always wait on plosives. They're, they're time consuming and there may be a lot of them, at least with me. So, you know, it, it, it takes a couple of passes to, to really get it 
to where it is. And that's part of what I teach on the course. Okay, so before we get to your final comments and a recap of your eight points, tell me about your classes that are coming up. I mean, here we are in early November 2016. What do you have coming up in the near future as far as Audacity and audition classes? We just finished uh, our last five-week course for Audacity, which was this week. My next Adobe Audition class starts Tuesday, November 15th. If somebody wants to jump in, there's a lot of prep work to do, but you can get it done in probably an hour or two or less. And it's for five consecutive weeks. And right now, my tentative date for the next Audacity class is going to be the 10th of January. Okay. And so uh, how can people reach you to sign up for these classes? Probably the best way to do it would be one, you could send me an email at LarryHudson at VOHeaven.com. Or you can go to the website. It's actually going to take you to my personal website, voheaven.com. It'll take you to my website. Click on the VO Heaven tab, and there will be information there on that page about the upcoming classes. Excellent. Do you have any final comments before you recap what the eight points are? The biggest thing is practice over and over and over again. You know, I have people that come to the course and I tell them right up front, the course doesn't live in watching me do the work or listening to me talk. It lives in you doing the coursework. That's where it happens. So no matter what way you attack this to learn what you need to learn, you've got to do the work. It's not just about listening because you know how that is. You sit down and it looks so easy when he did it and now it's your turn to do it and it's like, oh my God, I'm lost. <laughs> so, you know, th that's why you keep doing it. And that's why I created the five-week course and actually have weekly coursework that people submit to me and I give comments on because the only way to get this is to actually do the work over and over again. And I was lucky enough that I started doing a lot of this seven years ago. And I was lucky enough to book some kind of long jobs. And those long form jobs really taught me how to edit fast, you know, to really bring my speed up and to create the system that I use that seemed to work best for me. So the eight points are one, we're removing the perfections. Two, training your ears. Three, understanding the effect noise floor has on your recordings and editing. Four, dealing with breaths. Five, timing. Six, softening the entrance and exit to words and phrases. And seven, sweetening your file. Number eight, consistent process. The same system of editing time after time so there's consistency and you don't miss anything. Awesome. I love the simplicity of just going through one point at a time. Thank you so much, Larry Hudson, for joining us. You can reach Larry Hudson at Larry Hudson, H-U-D-S-O-N, at voheaven.com. We're glad you were able to join us today. Feel free to email Julie with any questions at julie at juliewilliamscoaches.com. We'd like to thank our editor, Morning Joy Lynn, who can be reached at morningjoy at voeditor.com. And, of course, thank you for listening. Till next time, I'm Paul O'Connor, along with Julie Williams, wishing you prosperity in all you do.